Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. All right, I want to start off with just this, the reality of how incredibly important it is to have a connection to the Lord, to walk in relationship with Him, to, to hear His voice, to, to follow Him as your true shepherd. And um, even as Jesus said in John 10, like, my sheep know my voice. They will, they will know me. They will recognize me. I can know Nicole's voice in a crowd of people. Not because she's the loudest, just because I'm so very familiar with it. You know, it's because my, my wife, you know, and my kids. Well, sometimes the kids, somebody will say, Dad, and all the dads turn around because they all kind of sound similar. But, you know, <laughs> but you're, you're, you know, your spouse's voice or somebody you're, you've, you've, you're really familiar with it's easy to follow and to hear and um you know it's just there's something to knowing the lord's voice to even reading the scriptures studying the bible seeing the nature of jesus throughout the entire bible reading the old testament through the lens of the new covenant through jesus being the word of god and um you know really stepping into that reality to where we are so attuned to his voice that as jesus said in john 10 a stranger's voice they won't follow not that they won't hear it but they'll recognize it as a counterfeit, you know. And you've probably heard it spoken, especially um, when counterfeit money was a very big problem in the United States. Um, before we had hologram stamps and all these things, you know, I'm sure it still can be a problem now. But the people who studied to recognize counterfeit money studied the intricacies of real, legitimate money. It wasn't that they studied the counterfeits, they studied that which was real. And by seeing that was, which was real, being so, so attuned to recognizing the real thing, the fake was easy, easy to distinguish. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's the point of Bible study. That's the point of our connection to Him. And, and uh, there's something to recognizing the Lord's voice. And sometimes it's as easy as getting alone or um, clearing out space, make way. For the kingdom as John the Baptist proclaimed out of Isaiah um, it's just this reality of like we can create space for God to where we start to feel his voice we feel his leading we hear his words the scripture comes alive to us um, you know we start to feel even his emotions sometimes and um, man I was out in some space out you know pretty deep in some woods on Friday morning and I started to, what I felt like I started to really sense and feel the Lord's heart and uh, for people. And some of that's, some of that's my responsibility for this church, but I, I felt that it, it fully extended beyond this church because you're actually here. And, um, you know, but it was, it was this sense of this strong sense, this very strong sense of, of purpose and of destiny, this, this reality of this Psalm 139 that David has said, um, um, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Almost like you knew me before anybody had the capacity to know me. I wasn't even fully developed. This understanding of this, this ancient time, the, the everlasting time um, in which God knew us and even designed us and put us together, knew what would make us tick, knew what would make us come alive, knew our true person, knew our true personality. And um, this this coming to this sense of purpose and destiny of what it means to fully step into that reality. It's just as, as the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, you know, the second baptism, if you will, they crossed the Red Sea and the thing parted, right? Then they crossed the Jordan River and the Jordan River backed all the way up to a city called Adam. Remember that when Joshua led them through into the promised land? And so he leads them through to the promised land, but, um, there's no mistaking the symbolism in the word there that, that, that the, the water, this time it didn't part like it did when it was the Red Sea. It literally backed up all the way to a city that was named Adam. And we understand that as Christians. We see the symbolism of what was reality, of Jesus paying for something, who was baptized in the same river, the Jordan, and um, by, by John the Baptist that, that claimed, proclaimed the words of Isaiah, make way makes space where there is nothing the kingdom is coming 
and um, this reality that it, the river backed all the way up to Adam, which was symbolic for us that every bit of sin and darkness, every bit of the fall, the unintended design of mankind, the way man was not designed to be, he was not designed to be susceptible to disease and to, and to the fall, but he stepped into that false lineage because of eating from the wrong family tree, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But this symbolism of the water backing all the way up to Adam was like, look, like every bit of the flow, the, the death, because that's what the Jordan River really symbolized as death. It, flew in, it, it flows into the Dead Sea. And I know some of you guys want to go there and float on all that, on all that salt water, you know what I mean? But it flows into the Dead Sea where no animals can live, and, it's, and it symbolizes death, but it also symbolizes that crucified life of stepping into an undiable kingdom. And so, you know, it's pretty interesting and beautiful, right? But the reality of this thing is everything that was being inherited from Adam was completely shut back all the way to the days of Eden. And that's the heritage of every single one of us. Every bit, even of our personality and traits, even our physical traits that have been su you know, subject to the fall that we did not inherit from our true creator, as David says, who knit us together in our mother's room that knew us before time and space. Ephesians 1 says we were in Christ before the foundations of the earth. You know, all these beautiful things. Um, every bit of our life that was not intended by the love and intention of God, there's, there's, there is now a way, it's called the gospel, the new covenant, to, to damning that up all the way back to Adam and blocking it so that we step into the promises of the kingdom, which is heaven on the earth, which is, which is the Lord's prayer. And it's so exciting, but I was, I was out deep in the woods and I was having this profound sense of, of purpose and destiny. And even, I don't want to say it's like a warning, but it kind of is like a warning of, of people missing out on their purpose and their destiny in the Lord. And people living this life in such a way that they never step into who they were called to be. And this as the Bible calls it, this breath of a life being over and looking back with like complete and total regret because a victim mindset set in and everything which was um, the, the, maybe the resistance that was meant to help grow the kingdom seeds was looked at as like too much to deal with and I would rather run or I'd rather self-medicate or I'd rather hide or isolate myself and never following through with the kingdom purpose. And um, it's, it's weird to say that because it's just like, man, you, you set time aside or, or you're, you're in this presence of the Lord. You're in these thoughts that are not your own thoughts. You're, you're communing with Him. And you feel this great sense of purpose and destiny, but also you feel the reality that so many people, they let offense and wounds of this life sideline them from actually stepping into their purpose and destiny instead of allowing those things to solidify them in their true nature and the healing that Jesus has so, so brilliantly paid for, you know? And it's like, I could go into that for the whole morning, but just the, the way that I saw it and the way that I felt it was so, I don't want to say it was a grieving thing, but it was like, oh my gosh, like you have no idea the incredible opportunity that we have that is this life to deal with your stuff, to get over your stuff, because the Lord has fully paid for everything to be fully healed and walked through, even injustice, to become whole from that stuff through, the active, through actively walking in like forgiveness and intentionally living the gospel that would cause you to fully come alive. And it was just like this sense of like purpose. I even wrote something about it and, and posted it, which I don't normally do. You know what I'm saying? And it got so much <laughs> feedback. It was so much of a trigger in a positive way that I thought, okay, yeah, man, this is like, you know, Nicole's like, see, you're supposed to, you got to write stuff like that. I know. I just don't like to, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but there's, there's this coming back to this ancient design that God has for his people. There's this there's this coming back into our true nature and to our true person that God has fully paid for us to step into, right? And 
The brilliant thing about it, I think I'm going to start maybe in a little different spot than I planned, but you know, I, I like to do a lot of these obscure prophecies through the Old Testament. A lot of times I'll lead off with those things because now we're looking through the lens of Jesus Christ. And you know, I know at our church, like I think we've, we've got such a good foundation of the heart and nature of God and the, and the hidden plan, the mystery of Christ that we can look back at these things and we're all like, oh yeah, we're kind of not, oh, I know what that means, or I know what that was talking about, you know? Um, and so I like to do that sometimes. But you want to talk about somebody who was unjustly treated. However, that was the plan the whole time. He knew what he was signing up for. As a matter of fact, he knew what the poisonous fruit of the tree of the knowledge of evil had done to the mind of all of his children. And so he made it play into his hand to rescue everybody. And not only everybody, everything. Yeah, it's true. It's just like, what? You know, the, I mean, we talk about Isaiah 55, for, for my ways are not your ways, nor my thoughts your thoughts. My ways are so much higher than your thoughts. Because when he, when he lays out his plan in front of us, if we would have seen it and got to vote, we'd be like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, man. This is going to end bad. And his disciples thought it did end bad until they realized it wasn't over with. And it was like, oh my gosh, there's the guy from Jurassic Park. You know what did he say? Well, I can't say what he said. He said something like, you crazy son of a gun, you did it. You did it. Like, oh my gosh, Lord, you meant for this whole thing to happen. And man, we just thought you were crazy talking in the third person, not using your power when you should have, but you meant for this to happen. And Hebrews 12 says, for the joy that was set before him, he, he endured it intentionally and he was happy to do it. Like, man, what a, what a wild thing. But the ways of God are not our ways. The thoughts are not our thoughts. And, and, and we don't have a right to offense. There's, there's a reason there's things in like the book of James where it's like we rejoice in trials because of what it's, what it's producing in us. And it's just like, we, we what? <laughs> like, wait a second, read that again. Like, what are you talking about? You know, it's like, it's like, no, 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 no. Like, hey, this is good because you're growing, your roots are growing deep into the ground. And there's something in authority that's in the unseen realm that we read it all the time. Peter quotes it, 1 Peter 2, 24. It's like, but by his stripes we were made holes. Like the very places you're wounded, you have actual authority. Wounds produce the authority because the nature of God comes out of those wounds. <laughs> yeah, buddy. It's wild. So let me read Isaiah 50, uh, let's do 53 and comment on it a little bit. And um, it's 12 verses. So we're going to pretend like we're in the old school synagogue and there's a scroll in front of me and I'm sitting down to read it, right? You know, maybe not, but um, that's what's going to happen. And let's think about what it's saying has happened for us. It literally starts off, Isaiah 53. Yeah, I heard some pages turning. I love the sound of that. That's good, yeah. Or if you have to scroll to your Bible, that's fine too. I know I'm a little older than some of you. Um, Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Let's understand something. This is hundreds of years before Jesus Christ was walking as Yeshua on the earth. He was the angel of the Lord. He was God. He was, in the beginning, was the Word who was with God and was God who came to his own and his own did not receive him, right? That's all John 1. But this is saying that before that part of the movie's even started. But it's talking as if this is already finished. Let's, let's, uh, that's part of the, my commentary on this verse. But it starts off, who's believed our report? In other words, has anybody seen this coming? Is this not the greatest mystery that we're reporting before it ever happens and nobody even sees it coming or recognize what happened. It says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty in him that we, shall, that we should desire him. Interesting. In other words, Jesus looks like an average Joe. He's not handsome. He's not head and shoulders above everybody and tall, dark, and handsome like Saul was. He doesn't have that red, reddish tint, 
you know, that, that super attractive look that David had. You know what I mean? He isn't beautiful like Solomon. Everyone's writing, you know, golly, Song of Solomon. She is. The way the girl talks about him, like he's a dang, you know, I don't know what. But you know what I'm saying? Like some sort of, you know, I don't know. But yeah, so these, it's like, this is the Messiah we're talking here. And, and like no one's going to, no one's going to recognize who he is by the way he looks. It's not going to be like, wow, he, man, that must be, whew, that's a good looking boy right there. Like that, that fellow. You know what I mean? Think about the Roman soldiers. Judas had to kiss Jesus so that they would know and recognize which one was the leader of the twelve. It's like you couldn't tell him from his friends. And that was the embodiment of Yahweh. Man. It says he is, he is despised. Is. Yeah. He's talking. Now he's talking like it's in current. He is despised and rejected by men. In other words, they weren't like, oh, this is the one. It's like, no, no, he was rejected. He was disliked. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Sorrows means pain there. A man who endured insane amount of pain. And certainly he did. And was a, acquainted with grief. That word grief is sickness. He became familiar with it because he took every bit of it into his body. On the cross, every bit of, remember the Jordan River, every bit of the fall that came through Adam came to him. He was the dam that stopped that whole thing up, absorbed it all, brought it into himself intentionally, deliberately, so his kids wouldn't have it. Brilliant. Now we know this, and we're reading this past tense, but they didn't know this. This is a prophecy. A man of pain, acquainted with sickness, and we... As it were, we hid our faces from him. We know that that happened, even as best friends. Right? He was despised, and we didn't esteem him. We didn't esteem him. We did not recognize his mission. We did not recognize who he was or what he was doing. He was despised. Can you imagine that? Everyone's like, hey, the whole world's been poisoned. Every bit of darkness, depression, pain, sickness, all of it that came in through the fall, that's the hero. He's, he's running a mar an ultra marathon right now, and at the very finish it, of it, he's going to absorb every single bit of it, and none of us will have to inherit it. The whole world would have been cheering him on. You would think, right? If they knew that's what he was doing. But this says he was despised, and we didn't esteem him. We didn't recognize it. But then verse 4, but surely he has borne our griefs. That's the sickness word. He has borne our sickness and he's carried our sorrows. That's the pain word. He has borne our sickness and he's carried our, sor our sorrows, our pain. Yet, we esteemed him smitten by God and afflicted. We considered that he was smitten by God and afflicted. I will tell you this. Many, many people still believe that Jesus was smitten by God and afflicted, don't they? The father took his wrath out on the son so that he could forgive all their other kids. But that's not forgiveness, is it? That's, that's more like he needed payment because he doesn't forgive. I need to, I, I need to unleash on somebody. Oh, I'm going to get my whip in. I'm going to get my, my rage out. It's like, oh, that's a scary deity. There's a lot of them like that, but not our dad. We esteemed him smitten by God. We didn't esteem, we did not esteem who he truly was, and we just figured that he was smitten by God. Two backwards ways of belief. But, verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Wait a minute. We considered all these backward things about him because we've been poisoned by the knowledge of good and evil. But guess what? He was, all of that stuff was going upon him. He was damming up the river of Jordan. He was absorbing all the death that came from Eden, from Adam. He was absorbing the whole thing so that we would not have to inherit it. And by his stripes, even the wounds and the stuff that he took, we were actually sep we were separated from an inheritance that we voluntarily had stepped into deception 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned away everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He is the Lord, man. That was the mystery. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shears is silent. He never stuck up for himself. Not in front of Caiaphas, not in front of the Jews, not in front of Pilate. He says, it is as you say. He never answered accusation. He was totally silent. Why? What's it saying? Because he fully cooperated with that process to get him. He, he probably could have debated and argued and got himself out of it just by words, not even by power. But he chose not to. And now we're seeing it. Like a lamb that has no clue it's even being killed because it's just a dumb animal that doesn't know until its throat's getting slit. Because that's what happened. Sorry, that's the Passover. But just like an animal, he went, he went completely along with it as if he didn't even know. Don't you know? Didn't Pilate say that? Don't you know? I have the power to do this for you, to let you off? Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't you understand? It's like, that's the answer. It's like, oh, he fully understands. And like a lamb before his shears is silent, he didn't open his mouth because he knew what his finish line looked like. It was the greatest, it was the greatest bait and switch of all time. And he knew he's rescuing the whole family and all of the creation in this little, in this little sliver of life so that we actually could rule and reign with him in something that's going to be much longer than this little plastic bit of time and space that we find ourselves in, that people think is such a huge deal. Um, but he's paid for us to step into something much eternity. It's much, much more, much more purpose and destiny. And this is the time that we've been given. This is the day that the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad. And it's like all things work together for our good. It's like everything's coming so that we believe this. Because it starts off, who's believed this? Who And who even believes this? Who believes our report? This is crazy now, but listen, who has believed this? And it's like, wait a minute. So you mean we are still in the process of learning to fully believe in what he's taken, and this is faith, so we ushered into the earth. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. He was taken from prison and judgment, and who can declare his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living. We know that happened. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he'd done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. We understand that. Joseph of Arimathea came and put him in the rich, in a fancy tomb that he sprung out of three days. You know, he was gone after, you know. We know the story. You guys know the story. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He's put him to grief. Context. Context of Jesus Christ being the I Am. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. He shall bear their iniquities. What? Yeah, he's going to take all of their stuff upon himself. Therefore, I will divide with him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because what? Because he poured out his soul unto death. Wait a second. You mean he did this? And he did this? Yeah, he poured out his soul unto death. Remember what he told the disciples? Yeah. yeah. A couple things. That the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. He's going to unleash all of hell against me to try to get me to strike you back. But there's no button in me he's going to be able to push, John 14, 20, that I'm going to actually strike back because I'm nothing like him. And you're going to see who your father truly is like. One. And two, what, what else did he say? He's like, they're not taking my life from me. I'm laying my life down. But I lay it down and I take it back. I hit it and it goes bang. I lay my life down, I take it back. I don't think I lost. I'm laying it down. Nobody can kill me. I'm unstoppable. I'm unkillable unless I allow it. And I fully intend to. Well, his, his dad forced him to. No, 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 no. No, no, no. He poured out his soul unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, but he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. How beautiful is that? How wonderful is that? So that's the secret code of Isaiah 53. That's the story, as we as Christians have come to know, that he's stepped into and he's taken something out of mankind and he came by stealth, 1 Corinthians 2. If the rulers of this world would have ever known, 1 Corinthians 2, 8, 
who he was, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory because it was always his plan and they didn't catch it until it was over. And he had all these obscure prophecies that foretold it, but none of it could be understood until after the fact. And it was purposely written like that so that it would all play into his hand. Hmm. We, we, he was despised. We did not esteem him. We considered him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but he was actually wounded and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we were made whole. We were healed. It's like, wait, what did you just say? It's like a sick person in a hospital that's like, oh, I've got a death, so, you know, this is going to take me out. It's like, no. And the doctor comes and says, actually, this actually was taken care of a couple, couple thousand years back. It's just like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. What are you talking about? And it's like, no. He's giving you everything to connect yourself to this reality and walk it out on the earth. By his stripes, you were already made whole. I love it. The very thing... Even as what I, what I started off talking about, the very thing that, that contorted the identity of mankind that causes humans to be less than the images of God, which we've been created, like it says in the book of Genesis, in God's image as the images of God. But it's like these, these things which came through the fall that's caused man to take on a different image other than the, the, the one who is the tree of life is the very things that it says he bore our grief our sicknesses and he carried our sorrows our pain he literally paid a way for us to step out of the inheritance of adam and i will tell you i believe that when we talk about wounds and we talk about offense and we talk about the words of jesus like we did a few weeks ago you know the luke 17 like it's impossible that offense ain't going to happen but woe to the one by who brings it However, if somebody sins against you, no matter what it is, you must forgive them. Even if it's seven times in a day and they keep coming back, meaning it's completely not even um, heartfelt, you still must have the posture of forgiveness. He was telling them this reality of because you, you have no right to remain in a wounded state. You just don't. But I think there's something that's contorted the image of mankind more than absolutely anything else in its pain. People have been wounded in relationships or in whatever, rejections or all these different things. And it's caused them to contort their identity to something that will never be heard again. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like Halloween is every day. And people dress up in a costume that they feel like will keep them safe in the public eye. So that they won't have to feel rejection. They won't have to feel shame. They won't have to feel all those things. And it's because... It's, I, I believe a lot of it's just ignorance. We have, we have, we have lost the, ability, the, the practical common sense teachings of the Lord Jesus of how to process through pain and wound and understand like, hey, understand when trials come, don't waste them and let them just contort your, contort your identity to something because that's what the enemy would love to happen. It's like use them to usher in the forgiveness, the release of heaven and actually accept the healing that's actually been freely given to you but I was rejected, but I was passed by. I was the right person for that job. And it was just politics, man. This person just didn't like me. It was unjust. It was like, that's good. Huh? What are you talking about? That's good. It's like the most injustice against one of the sons, air quote, the son of God that ever happened resulted in the most light over the earth. You know what I'm saying? Of all time. And so now, even now, when injustice happens, when wound happens, when pain is present, it's not that we just, it, we, we're, we love to hurt, like, you know, we're some weirdos. It's like we, we choose to never let pain dictate our identity and our reaction. We actually allow it to purge our being so that we step more into our identity. We act like our dad, the one in whose image we were created. He literally came and he says these things. If you've seen me, you've seen your father, your dad. The one in whose image you're created in, if you see me, you've seen him. I've been with you and I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send the helper to you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm coming to you. It's like, which, what? Okay, so you said your spirit's coming, but you also said you're coming to me. It's like, yeah, I'm him, dude. I'm him. You know, I'm coming. 
I'm going to be with you always. The thing that he told Joshua, keep the law in your heart and mind before you cross this Jordan. Keep it in your mind, in your heart, in your mouth at all times. I will never leave you or forsake you. All that prophetic to the Christians who have walked in this reversal of the Jordan River, in this stepping into the promised land, in this life, all of it was prophetic, man. All of it was actually for us. The scriptures say that. Romans 10 says it. Romans 15 says it. Sorry. You know, 1 Corinthians 10 says it. But it's like they say that these things were written for us. They were all written for us. It's not hijacking something. Don't tell Ben Shapiro, but it's not hijacking. It is written to us. The ones who recognize and are unlocked through the, through the Christ, the living one who's with, with you and in you. You know what I mean? That's just how it works. And I like him. He's fine, but it's not hating, you know. But it's just like it's one of those things where it's like, hey, man, look, we are called to step into that nature. And when we see the opportunities for what they actually are, the resistance for what it is, the actual opportunities, we step into our purpose and destiny more. There's so many Christians that get sidelined, that separate themselves from the body. They forsake the you know, assembling together or they, they just get wounded or they, they create these weird pet doctrines in their minds. And, but the reality is there's so much depending on us stepping into the maturity of the sonship of God. And practically, almost every single time, it, it comes down to actually dealing with your stuff. You know what I mean? Dealing with the issues of the heart, releasing forgiveness, asking, Lord, heal me in that place. Let me see as you see. People don't see or have a perspective of God in their life. Their view is completely skewed. Right? Because they've let wound and offense and these things kind of change and contort their mind in a way that it was never supposed to be. What does the scripture say? If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat, to eat and give him water to drink. It's Old Testament and New Testament. Why? It says it'll be like coals of fire on the top of his head. We're like, yeah, now, now we're talking. Let's light some fire on these, these fools. We don't like them, you know? And he's like, no, it's like when you, when you learn to come out of that mindset of the enemy and realize that even air quotes your quote-unquote enemy if it has flesh and blood it's not your enemy we don't wrestle against them and it's like the ones that actually that you deal with and in, in angst or you have resistance from if you start to actually bless those who curse you like jesus is saying in matthew 5 like if, if to the point where they smack you in the face you turn your other cheek it's it's such a mind bender when it's real that it's coals of fire on top of the heads of other people what does that mean it's just like the tongues of fire. It's the way of the Spirit. It's the love of God that's not conditional. And it burns that carnal mind and that poisonous way of thinking and unlocks people. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the family of God, the Father and the Son and the Spirit? You know, literally saying like, all right, the whole place have been poisoned. And, and, and none of them recognize me. Now they all see me as this bipolar, this schizophrenic deity who's, who's good and evil because they've eaten that poison. So they think, oh, like Job, like he, he's, he, he gives and he takes away. He's both. They've, golly, they've taken Satan himself, the one who's come to steal, kill, and destroy, and they've just assumed that that's me and also the good version's me. And that's pretty poisonous. So what are we going to do? It's like, well, they're all poisoned. And so... They've taken the, the knowledge of good and evil, which is the, the desire to judge, right? And so they've judged me as being good and evil. And they've taken on the tongue of the serpent, who's the accuser. And it's become part of their nature. So I got an idea. I'm going to show up, look just like them. I'll do the, man, I'll do the whole thing. I'm going to go in a belly. I'm going to be like, I'm going to have to nurse. It's going to be wild. Do you know what? Yeah, it's like, yeah, then you'll be the messianic king, right? And you'll just wreck everybody. Like, no, 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 that's not what I'll do. What I'll do is since they have that poison within them, they're going to project, which is what manipulators do. They always accuse and project other people of doing what they're exactly doing. I don't know if you guys knew that, but that's the nature of, of the accuser of the brethren. It's like, they're going to come and accuse me of being evil. And I'll just manifest who I truly am. Like, okay, so what, what are you trying to say? He's like, I'll spring the trap, man. I'll let the poison flex itself upon me constantly. But what if they start calling you devil and Beelzebub? I was like, I know. I'll heal blind eyes. I'll, I'll raise people from the dead. I'll, res you know, 
paralytics. I'll do all those things, and they'll say that it's the devil because it's so contrary. And maybe they'll recognize how dumb that is. Like, wait a second, if it's good, maybe it's good. Maybe God, maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe it's the good side of God today, you know. It's like, it'll be crazy. It's like, so you're telling me you're going to go down there to a bunch of people who are drunken with the poison of the knowledge of good and evil and let them unleash all of hell against you. Yeah. And you're going to hit them back or something? No. I'm going to take it all on myself. What? Yeah, I'm going to draw the poison into myself. I'm going to draw all their poison. But what if it, but what if it causes you to be poisoned? It won't. I'm the tree of life. But I'll take it all. I'll absorb it all. It's like, man, you got to kill some, at least one person. Beat up at least one person. No, 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 no. This, I'll be beating somebody up all right, but it won't be the kids. Everything that they have, they'll put it on me. But I will never trigger. And they won't realize it, but they're fully forgiven. No matter what the darkness they can put on me, no matter what negativity they can do, I'll be up there screaming at them. Yeah, you're going to rage at them? Like, no, 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 I'm going I'm to scream forgiven. As the judge, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to declare forgiven by reason of ignorance. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And you're like, dude, okay. You, you are crazy, man. <laughs> and it's like, no, nah, you'd be like, nah, my ways just aren't your ways. What do you mean? You got that poison in you too, son. What? Yeah, just like he told Nicodemus in John 3, if the Son of Man is lifted up like that snake, I'll draw all men to myself. Like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? That's the snake from Moses, right? Yeah. Remember people got bit by the snakes? They were covered. They had poison. They were dying. So I had to make the bronze snake and lift it up. That, that was about me. So you're a snake? No. But when they see me lifted up, just as it healed the people of their poison, I will heal the people of their poison. Well, what kind of religious hoops do they have to walk through? Not, they don't. They just have to see me lifted up and recognize that all of their darkness was put on me. That sounds too good to be true. I got an idea, we'll call it the good news too then, since you said it like that. You're like, oh man, this is, this is incredible, right? Yeah, it's the gospel. Crazy a lot of people have never heard it, sitting in their church their whole life, never heard the gospel. That's what it's like. We think we have a right to be offended. We do, honestly. We want to fight somebody about something. Like, finally, finally, there's at least some weird gender wars and stuff happening, so we can fight somebody about that. Well, you know, yeah, it's ridiculous. But at the same time, we're called to love people. We got to stand for our beliefs. Now, don't get me wrong on that, for real. You know, Adam and Eve and not Steve and all that. Well, you yeah, know, that's fine. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying, though, is like the point of this stuff is when we don't recognize that that's the game plan, because the game plan seems so crazy, we don't live the game plan, right? But 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that. It talks about the glory that Moses used to have by seeing the Lord, but he said in the new covenant, there will be a greater glory than that. And Moses used to have to cover his face because his face would glow because he'd be on the mountain with God and scare people. So, but the thing is, we weren't called to scare people that the whole, the whole thing was switched. The reality was those veils were already there. And 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 18, it's like, it's talking about when we see him without the veil over our face. In other words, when we don't have a veil of misconception of who he is and we see him accurately, we don't see him as bipolar. We don't see him through the poisonous veil, this poisonous filter that's caused us to place maybe our old stepdad's face on his face or a pastor that was really mean and harsh on his face or a, a mom or stepmom or aunt or whoever raised you or your grandfather that was me you know coach that you have when we when we take the veils of all those false faces those things we've attributed to him because we es we esteemed him smitten by god and we realize oh that's not this was the love of god that compels us now because it compelled you and we see him as he truly is. What does it say in 2 Corinthians 3.18? It says, we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. That's what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. And it's beautiful. 
Because we've always heard, oh, glory to glory, brother, that just means you're, you're doing good this week. You know, it's like, that's the dumbest thing in the world. It means from glory to glory, means like when you actually see him, you'll reflect him like Moses did, only there won't be a veil. You'll see him accurately and it will transform your life. Well, I got to do some things, right? It's like, no, you have to walk it out. But it's like when they see me lifted up just like that, and you see all your stuff put on them and it was nothing that you did and it was grace and you've been saved and he rescued you. Ephesians 2, like, you know what I'm saying? While we were still in a complete mindset of sin, we were still in full darkness. He raised us up and seated us in the heavenly places. So before we even made the decision, the decision, this is not universalism, right? But there is something to the grace of God where we can choose to accept it. Some people will deny it and walk away. But those people are the, the ones who will love their wounds because they will hold to their rights to be right. Well, you don't know what she did or he did or this happened or my need wasn't met. Don't ask me what I think about that. I'm a pastor. Don't ask me what I think about that. Because I'm not here to talk about that. Good thing. But, you know, it's just like, it's like we're, we're here to meet the needs of the world. To have rivers of life flowing through us. Not to be a bunch of vampires that suck the life out of each other's necks. Yeah. Works. That was a harsh one. I was like, oh man, are we good? That was okay, right? Okay. You know. I love Tyler's nature, so I have to look at him. He's not. He's like, no, you're, you're, yeah. Um, you know, but this kindness of God that leads to the repentance, it's like, oh my gosh, so you weren't, you're not mad. It's like, no, I did this on purpose for you. Amen. And we see him as he truly is, and we're transformed into that same image. I didn't even get half of the message today, but I'm going to land it. So don't get, don't be nervous because I said that. Um, I'll be like, dang, buckle up. You know, it'll be over a while, you know. No, 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 I didn't get half of it, but uh, maybe another time. But the reality is the goodness of God, the person of the Lord Jesus, um, this reality that when a person is not healed and they don't step into this, and this is the sense that I felt when I was out on Friday morning running through these woods, man, and um, they don't see clearly. When there's pain, it's like, why would we, if, if he carried our, if he carried our, um, let me see. He carried our griefs and, and carried our sorrows, our pains. Why do we still hold on to them? Why do we have them? It's like, wait, so somebody carried that off? Like, yeah, but I'm still in it. Yeah. Is it because he didn't carry yours off and carried everyone else's off? No. Maybe there's a little bit of, I, think, I don't think people are just inherently evil. I think it's sometimes like we don't understand that when pain comes up in our heart or rejection or disappointment and all these things, instead of allowing it to steer us, we're, we are connected to, to the father of our actual true inheritance. Like, oh, I missed out on purpose and destiny and inheritance and jobs and this and rejection and burn, burn, spouse or what. You know, it's like, hey, he holds the key to all that real stuff. And if it's coming up and there's pain and he's carried it, there's a way relationally through him to connect to him and actually offload it and accept that by his wounds you were healed. You were made whole. Peter literally quotes it again, right? In 1 Peter 2.24, and he's just like, uh, you know, he quotes that verse, but he, but he actually changes the words, which is like, how dare he? You know, it's like, well, it's our Bible. It says when he was reviled, he didn't revile in a turn. When he suffered, he didn't threaten but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. 1 Peter 2.23. In other words, he's saying the same thing. No matter what happened to him, he didn't act like they were acting. But he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. And he changes it. And he doesn't say we, he says you. By his stripes, you were healed. And he's saying, look at Jesus. Look at the injustice. Look at the stuff that happened to him that's quoted in Isaiah that by his, by his wounds we were healed. And now he's changing it slightly. And he's saying, by his wounds, you were healed. Yeah. This is the authority of our Bible. This is the authority of the scripture. It's like, hey, look at it. No matter what the injustice was, no matter what you went through, no matter what the pain was, you've been healed from it. It's like, wait. So you mean my, the healing of Jesus Christ could literally hover around me like a bubble? Yes, absolutely. It hovers around the entire earth like a bubble, the entire reality of the new covenant. 
And it's only faith that makes way and opens the space and receives it. Otherwise, it's not received. Well, I'm not experiencing it. It's because you're not letting it in. That's what it is. I've seen it like this. It's like a bubble. The whole thing is there. Jesus is like, will I find faith when I come back? It's just like, I've given everything pertaining to life. I've given you the whole thing. But by faith, will you allow it to be received within you? But you can't receive something when you've got a whole bag of groceries that you're not willing, a whole suitcase full of offense and pain that you're not willing to open up and, and give back on. And that's what I believe is the ignorance a lot of times. We don't understand the pains and the things of our past have caused us to be somebody and to take on an image we were never called to take on. And by forgiveness and processing, okay, Lord, this memory is coming up. I give you, I I release forgiveness into the situation. It was unjust, but it doesn't even matter because I know that I've been healed by your stripes. So I forgive these people and I ask you, that your healing would take up the room in my being where that pain has taken up. And slowly and surely those veils, and it might be a process, but those veils are coming off because we're seeing him as we is, as he is, and it, it is as we is. We start to transform and we look like him. And that's authority. Demons would see him and freak the flip out. Wouldn't they? <laughs> Why don't they do that to us? Now, sometimes, I, you know, sometimes that does happen. People get really uncomfortable, um, but it's their stuff. But I'll tell you what, with beep, beep, back, back up, you know, but, uh, you know, what am I saying? Um, you know, we're called to walk in that authority as the images of God. To have the same effect in the world, releasing life and love. And, you know, not perceive things through a veil that aren't being happened. That aren't happening to us. You know, I have friends, I've grown up with people that, and have had friends and still do, you know, like they have le- legitimate personality disorders. You know, they literally interpret things coming at them as attacks that, that aren't attacks at all. You ever know anybody like that? Like you leave a situation and you're in a conversation with a group, and then your buddy's like, can't believe that he, you caught that right, what he said to me. It's like, no, what? What I said to you? Yeah, you know, when he said, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, you took that as, as personal? That's the craziest thing I ever heard. What is wrong with you, man? You know, it's like, what are you talking about? And it's just like, oh, you're carrying so much wound that you hear stuff that's not there on a, on a constant basis. Your grid is so, you're so blind to, to, re, to the reality, especially the reality of heaven, because you have wound and unforgiveness in your heart, and it's, it's skewed everything. You have a filter that things are coming into your ears that are not being said. And even if it was a slight that somebody said against you, if you were whole, you would recognize it. You're like, hmm, he's saying that out of jealousy or insecurity. Hmm, poor guy. You'd have compassion on him for, for, for the side comments. And your love would overcome that sin. You would actually go out of your way to speak life and love and do good and let the fire burn the stuff off of his head. But instead, you wait till we're gone and you go tell about seven people, like, this person said this, this person said that. And then everybody thinks Joe's just a bad, rotten dude. Joe didn't do a darn thing. Come on, Joe. What's wrong with you, man? You're an idiot, Joe. No, just kidding. No. You know what I mean? But that's what wound does. But it's like, but it's like and, and then we're separate. We call good bad. We call light darkness. We have all the confusions of the world and the ones, the sons and daughters of light, that Romans 8 says all of creation is longing, groaning for to step into maturity. They never do because the, the enemy was able to just slide in a couple little baits of some wounds and just get them chasing their tails like dogs for their entire life. And hey, they get to go into the heavens when they die. They get to go into heaven. And, but he has to wipe away every tear from their eye because they spent their entire life never walking out their purpose and destiny to be conformed to the image of Christ and to step into this reality. And even worse than that, a lot of times people like that, they groom people. They groom people that they're around. I had a buddy, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'd be out with my buddy, man, and I just knew if somebody said a certain thing that it would be setting him off. 
I knew it wasn't even personal where, but I knew, but I know him and I know that he gets offended by that. And so like, I know how to steer and, and they have protectors all around them that learn to think like they think and they poison people that they're around. And it's like, Hey, it's like, we got to come out of that. We're called to affect and have the, 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 the reverse, the light that flows through us in a way that actually unlocks humanity where the spirit of the Lord is. There's, um, yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? And so people should feel that way around us. Think about the people that were comfortable to be around Jesus, but they weren't comfortable to be around the Pharisees. You know? And so the Pharisees are like, oh, he's with sinners. It's like, no, you guys are poisoned, and so you release an image of God that's wrong, and they constantly have to be around on eggshells around you constantly because you're manipulators. And Jesus has come, and the essence of their true father is felt, and they don't even know what it is. Just like the disciples didn't fully know. Until he came back and, and, and Thomas is touching his hands like, my Lord and my God. Like, oh my goodness, you're him. And him is nothing like what we thought him was like. He is altogether lovely and good. No variance, no shadow, no turning, no changing, no bipolar, no uh, schizophrenic, not good cop, not bad cop. He is good and his kids are called to walk in that. But also, that is authority. That is authority. You gotta forgive seven times a day. You gotta no Jesus, you gotta increase our faith. To which Jesus says, You got faith like a mustard, you can do that. Your issue's not faith, it's walking in the authority. Anyways. Yeah, I have so much to say about this, but I'm not going to. We'll we'll close it up there. I, I think the point of today, I have several points written down, I'm not gonna be able to probably use them. Um but obviously a person when they're not healed, when they're not whole their reactions aren't even their real reaction. They don't see things or perceive things accurately. And we all want to see in the Spirit. And we, we all want to be woke and have our heads lifted up and let the King of Glory come in, Psalm 24. But the way to that is, is to process through. And if we're carrying pain, if we're carrying things we're not supposed to carry or that He's already carried, then it's double duty. And there's a way out of that duty, man. And it's walking it out with Him in relationship. The world depends on it. It does. The, the world is waiting. All creation is all creation's waiting. Our families are waiting. The condition of our heart is what raises our children. Yeah. There's a purpose and destiny for you. It's like deal with your issues so that your kids don't grow up with the exact same climate of, of issue that you have because they've been raised in the Petri dish of that wound heavy things but you know what I'm saying it's just like there's so much that depends on it people are so very powerful the Pharisees he told them Luke 17 the kingdom's within you huh it's like yeah you're just backwards right now the kingdom's here it's, a, it's, it's at hand it is within you I am here I'm in you you haven't lost anything you've gained it's time to move forward so Lord we thank you for your truth and, and the hopeful view of what it means to walk in you the hopeful reality even of what it means that by your wounds we were healed. We have been made whole by you. It's not about our experience. It's about our ability to come into agreement by faith and usher heaven into earth. Lord, I ask that, that our minds would be continually open to comprehend the scriptures, to comprehend what you're saying, that we would be more aware of your presence. We would be more aware even in our life of your dealings, of your working, that you are raising us like kids like a good father, like a trainer, like a teacher, um, that you, know, you are bringing us into maturity and that the things and the issues of the heart, like they are not to disqualify, they are actually for us to walk through with you and be conformed into your true image so that your people have authority as you've called us to have. Let us walk in the authority of heaven as a body, as a family, and step into the reality of this kingdom manifests in the earth. Amen.